You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. If you have been listening to Take It Personally for a hot minute, you know I love personality tests. I think that they are absolutely fascinating. We did an episode um, a few episodes back. We'll link to it in the show notes all about the Strengths Finder test with Chelsea Geed. And that's been really transformational to start using in my business, even though I've always um, I've always loved the test. But as I've gotten um, into like more of a leadership role in my own business, it's been even more important to just be aware of. And the Enneagram is similar. I think that, well, first of all, the Enneagram is just really hot right now. A lot of people talk about it. It's common, um, at least in the circles that I run in, to be in the middle of a conversation and somebody to say like, well, I'm a three or I'm a five or whatever it might be. And so it's becoming a lot more um, commonplace, which is really interesting. And I loved the idea of talking about the Enneagram from a personal perspective, but then also from a business perspective, similar to how we did for StrengthsFinder and how you can use what you learn to grow as a person and to best run your business. So that's what we're doing today. I'm talking with Jada Dobesh, and um, she is another... Sioux Falls lady like myself, and we run in similar circles but have never met in person. Um, She hosted a really amazing Enneagram workshop a couple of weeks ago. She does that every now and then, Um, and she hosted it at the co-working space that I'm a part of, and I wasn't able to make it. I was so upset, so um, I was so excited to get her on the podcast and chat and get a little bit of one-on-one time with her, and now I think after chatting with her, I need to book a session with her um, to see if I really am the number that I think I am, which I think I am. (laughs) But, um, you know, all those nuances, it's always very interesting. And um, if you've taken the if you've taken the quiz or if you've looked into this um, before, and we'll talk more in the episode about how to find your number, um, but you might find yourself split between two numbers. And that's where I'm at. And I'll explain that in the episode as well. So I think it could be really helpful to chat with her a little bit more. Anyway, enjoy this episode. I, I mentioned this in the episode too, but any episode where we talk about personal development becomes one of my favorites. And so I just think that this is um, such an enlightening episode and I hope that you guys enjoy it. Jada, thank you so much for joining me today on Take It Personally. I'm really excited you're here. You're welcome. I'm glad you asked. I've never been on a podcast before. No kidding. It's your first time? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so pumped to talk about all things Enneagram with you. This is like one of my favorite topics right now. So thank you for being here. And for those who maybe don't know you, could you just do a little bit of an introduction, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Yeah, I am Jada Dobesh. I live in Sioux Falls and I'm a spiritual director. And I, a lot of people don't know what that means, but what's unique about what I do within spiritual direction is I integrate the Enneagram into that. So it's, um, it's like giving spiritual direction a map for where you're headed in your personal growth. And I think that that's really exciting. That's my favorite part of what I do, but I also do, um, at Sailor Space where I work, I do cupping and, um, sound healing. I'm getting Reiki certified this summer. Just, I'm all about holistic 
wellness. So looking at the whole of who you are and then um, going from there, healing you and all of those different pieces of you along the way so that, you know, we can work really hard on one aspect of you and nothing changes um, because we didn't fix this problem or that problem. And so I love to just dig into people's souls and (laughs) work on things with them and sort through things with them. Um, Other than that, I'm a mom and a wife and my garden. How did you get to where you are right now? Not only with Stella Space, but also um, how, actually, let's just go from there because we'll talk more about the Enneagram in a little bit. So how did you get to where you are right now? What has your journey looked like? That is a really long-winded answer, but I'll try to keep it brief so we can talk about the good stuff here. But I um, came to USF, uh, Sioux Falls, to go to the University of Sioux Falls, um, and knew that's where I was going. It's the only school I toured. That's where I have to go. I just know it really upset my some of my parents because they were like, don't you need to look around? No, I know what I want. Um And I had a very clear plan. I was going to become a family and marriage therapist. So I was going to get a psychology and sociology degree. I was going to be in the choir. This is how it's going to go. And two weeks into class, um, one of my professors said, Jada, you should do youth ministry. And so I did. Um, (laughs) I switched my uh, second major from sociology to youth ministry. And I thought, okay, God, I'll do this. But while I'm getting my master's, this isn't like a long-term plan for me. I'll, I'll do this on the way to my thing. Um, and that did not go as planned. I ended up being a youth pastor for four years, um, not getting a master's in clinical counseling and ended up at the seminary, um, getting a master's in Christian leadership with, uh, no idea what I was going to do with that. And, um, a certification in spiritual direction, and all because as a youth ministry major, you need to meet with the youth ministry advisor at least twice a semester while you're in school. Um, she is a spiritual director. I ended up there at least once a month, not twice a semester, <laughs> crying in her office. Um, and the first session, I, I'm bawling my eyes out and I stop and I go, is this what we're supposed to talk about? And she goes, we can talk about whatever you want in here. (laughs) um, I got to the end of my four years in school and seeing my spiritual director, not knowing that that's what she was. And I said, I can't stop seeing you. I'm like, what can I do to keep seeing you? Is that allowed? And she said, yeah, but it needs to be spiritual direction now. I said, okay, fine, (laughs) whatever that means. (laughs) And I just fell in love with, um, it's been seven years of seeing the same spiritual director um, about once a month. And I just love all of the grace that it offers and all of the growth that it offers. Um, And so I, yes, God, I'll do the spiritual director thing for you, but on the way to what I want um, again. And then uh, I ended up, still being youth, I was still in youth ministry at the time, and I did a women's event, um, which is not youth ministry, in case you're noticing that, Um, but I hosted a women's event, and we had about 150 women show up. We had classes and workshops and speakers and all sorts of 
fun, unique things. We had a belly dancer teaching belly dancing in the church and we had vendors, all sorts of crunchy, fun things and girly things. And just, um, I would, God really stirred in my heart that I have more to give to women than I do to teenagers. And, um, and so a couple years later, here I am trying to figure out what that means still and opening Sailor Space full time. And um, the Enneagram fell into the mix of seeing my spiritual director um, when I was about a senior in college, I think. She said, just take this, this test. I want to see what you are. And I came back to her. I said, okay, I took this 144 question test. Um, like I had time for that. And I come back to her. I said, okay, I'm a two. And she goes, really? <laughs> and um, a long way down the line, I, it's been six years of studying the Enneagram for me um, and just falling deeper and deeper in love with everything that it has to offer. So and I ended up just using it in my spiritual direction practice as well. Um, and I'm now starting to do like corporate trainings on it as well um, for church leadership and businesses and things. So it's just kind of taking over my life and I like it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I feel like everyone knows about the Enneagram, but I'm sure that's not quite the case. So if you were talking to somebody who has no familiarity with Enneagram, can you explain mm -hmm. what it is? Yes. It's a personality inventory. Um, it falls under that category. Um, it's a, there's a beautiful symbol of it. It's this circle with lines connecting all of these numbers. And, um, you are identified as one number and spend your life moving from number to number, um, and gaining wisdom from all of these different types, um, is the shortest answer I can give you for that. <laughs> So how does one find out their number? So there are a million different tests available to you. In my personal opinion, you should not take any of them. <laughs> it, the, the only one worth its salt is 144 questions. And um, they don't necessarily teach you how to take the test. Um most people don't know you're supposed to answer the questions as if you're 20 years old. Oh, and the reason, yeah. And the reason for that is um, your type, your number that you're assigned one through nine, whatever your type is, is not actually who you are. It's your ego type. Mm. Your ego is like in full swing, in total control of your life in your early 20s. Makes sense. Um, yes. And so you have to think back and try to answer 144 questions as the 20-year-old version of yourself. And so that's why I don't recommend you take the test. Um, that's why mistyping is so common. Um, so I actually um, always encourage anybody that I'm talking to, to just read through the types a little bit, the descriptors, the different things that you find on the internet, read through them and which one hurt a little bit, which one offended you a little bit, which one were you like, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's you. 
<laughs> yes. I, I think that there's truth in that because I have taken the test numerous times and um, I find myself, and we'll talk about the different types, but I find myself pretty split between two and three and yeah. but notoriously it would always come back to always. And I yeah. kind of wanted it to be a three. And my business coach was like, if it's telling you you're a two and you don't want to be a two, you're probably a two. Yeah. <laughs> <Damn Yep. it. laughs> yes. And it makes sense that you're between two numbers that are right next to each other because that three wing is so close to you and mm-hmm. probably necessary in the line of work you're in. Like you're running the world here. Um, that requires quite a bit of achievement mindset and get it done and make it look good while you're doing it. Totally. It's been, it's been interesting to kind of see the differences between the two. And I can't remember what it was specifically, but it was like, I identify with so much three stuff, but the really, really deep stuff was more two. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, so all of that said, could you do a little, I'm kind of putting you on the spot because I didn't prep you for this, but could you do a little bit of an overview of each number? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I can do that. It's, um, bear with me here a little bit. Uh, I brought my little, I have a little like whiteboard with my picture on it because otherwise I'm like constantly thinking like, which one does this connect to? Um, so I'm just going to start at the top. Um, the nine is at the top of the design. Um, and this is really fitting. The nine is the peacemaker. Um, and so I love that it sits at the top and it kind of holds the whole thing together. Um, and it's, it's there to keep the balance. Um, the peacemaker is, um, it's your friend who never picks where you're going to eat for dinner. And, um, they really, you decide whatever you want to do. They are, um, not interested in engaging conflict in any way. Let's just keep the peace. Um, the uh so what i love to use in my descriptors is their root sin which sounds really intimidating but it just describes really well um like the heart of it and this isn't like a criticism of each of these numbers this is just the straight up truth so the nines root sin is sloth um they are they tend to be lazier people because anything that requires any conflict or pressure or like messing with the status quo in any way um, is too much for them. They're not interested. Um, So the nines are uh, just very peaceful, gentle natured. Uh, The ones are the perfectionists. They are the justice system. This is what's right. I know it's right. And I don't have to argue with you because you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) there's no discussion this is how it is um and one's what root sin is anger um not rage but just righteous anger this is this is the way it is supposed to be um anything that gets in the way of that is wrong so twos are the helper um their root sin is pride which is a really interesting dynamic, I think. Um, But twos are all about meeting people's needs, uh, meeting other people's needs, 
let me take care of you. They're kind of the Jewish mother of the group. I love that. Right? Yeah. They're like, they're very helpful. They made you dinner, but you better be appreciative of it. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, the three is the achiever. Their root sin is vanity. This has to look good. I, my appearance is everything. My, um, my status is everything. I need to look good. I need people to think I'm great. Um, but they're so high achieving and they can really powerhouse get things done. Um, the four is the, uh, there are a couple different names for this one, uh, but I like the romantic. Mm. Um, they are very, the other word is individualist, um, which can be helpful to, with that too. They're very, um, they're very unique. They often dress with a little more flair than everybody else. Um, they, the words that are described sound really harsh, dramatic and self-centered um, are some of the words that you use for that, but they're, they are very melancholy, uh, prone to depression because they, like, they're so introspective. They're also the creative. So they are very artistic, uh, very culturally aware. They want to travel. They want to experience um, life because it gives them meaning um, in a lot of ways. And their root sin, I am blanking on. I'll come back to it when I remember. Um, yeah. Fives are uh, the investigator. They are the homebody. Uh, they love to read. They are, their root sin is gluttony um, or not, no, avarice, excuse me, which means hoarding things. Mm. Uh, so they hoard information. They hoard money. They hoard items. It's all about keeping them comfortable and in their comfort zone. They like to make their home their own. They're the people that are in they're home by seven o'clock at night. They don't want to go out. They want to be at home. Are you in a love-hate relationship with Instagram? For so many people, the app has gone from friend to foe as the algorithm has changed and made it seemingly more difficult to reach your perfect audience. But can I tell you a secret? It's not the algorithm's fault. Instagram is designed to reward good, engaging content. And if what you're sharing isn't connecting with your people, it won't show your stuff, period. The good news? There are some easy ways to help increase your engagement and get back to loving the app and the connections you're making on there. I've put together all my Instagram secrets in a free download just for you. You can download the Instagram engagement checklist to skyrocket your engagement and put the fun back in your social media strategy. Just go to maddiepashong.com slash IG checklist. That's maddiepashong.com slash IG checklist. We'll also put the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. The sixes are the loyalists. Uh, that's a pretty self-explanatory word there, but that, that loyalty comes from their roots in, which is fear. Um, it comes from anxiety. The cool thing about the six is they split into two different categories. There is the type of six that use it, like their biggest fear is fear itself. So they're actually quite adventurous and push the limits. Um, and then those who are afraid, 
And so they, um, they use fear to protect themselves. Um, and they do that, they protect themselves by being loyal. If I have enough people that I'm loyal to, they will be loyal to me. I can't fail. Um, sevens, uh, their root sin is gluttony. They're the enthusiasts. They are the people, when you go to the restaurant, they are terrified to make a decision because what if the other option tastes better? Uh, what if they didn't get the best option? They are trying to soak up as much life as possible. Um, and they, the main goal is always happiness. What is going to make me the happiest? Um, and then eights are the, so eights get a bad rap. <laughs> I'm just going to call it how it is. Um, so I use the word protector. Uh, the other word is challenger. Um, but I like protector because they are the, I'll just do it myself people. Um, but also the person that is going to fight for the underdog, true underdogs, not wimps, because that's not helping anybody. But they get stuff done. It's all about protecting the people that they love and caring for the people that they love. And they are very aggressive in the nature that they do that. Um, and they're Ritson, I am also blanking on. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. But, but that's what all of that um, really quickly yeah. is. And there's so many other pieces to all of these types. So it's hard for me to pick something to say, but that's the gist of it. I have a good friend who's an eight and her, prote the protection pieces mm -hmm. of her personality are hilarious to me. And she's very aware of her eightness. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that that's what makes it funny too. But she a few times has like gotten defensive on my behalf when she hasn't needed to. And, <laughs> and she'll say like, sorry, it's my eight coming out. I'm like, yeah, just like chill. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That is so great. Well, okay. So then once you are there, do you have any um, tips? I know when I was trying to figure out my number, it was kind of overwhelming. Are there any, um, tips that you can share if people are kind of between two numbers or um, just confused at all when it comes to like where to start um, to find their type? Well, selfish plug, set up a session with me. We can sort through it. It helps to discuss it yeah. um, with somebody that really understands the Enneagram and somebody that's not too close to you. Yeah. Um, that gets tricky. Um, like we still haven't typed my husband because um, he took the test when I did when we were in college um, and he got typed as six and we really don't think that that's who he is. Um, there is a caution um, that there is a difference between your ego type and mental health. Um, so especially with uh, people like sixes and fours um, who are prone to anxiety and depression. Um, it's really important to notice, would you be this way if your anxiety was under control, if your depression was under control? Because you can be um, a six and not have anxiety. Does that make sense? So yes. Is so that the, when people talk about like a healthy six versus an unhealthy six, like, is that kind of? 
Actually, no. This is, um, actually, I haven't read anything on what I just told you. This is something I've just picked up on. Um, there, the healthy, the levels of health, if you're on the Enneagram Institute website, um, they have like nine levels of health um, on each type. Uh, I think that that's terribly confusing. Um, and gets people really achievement focused, like how can I be my healthiest too? Well, that's not the point of the Enneagram. The point is not to become the best ego type that you can be. Uh, that's incredibly limiting, actually. <laughs> so you actually want to move all the way through all the numbers, picking up the pieces that serve you well and that make you a better person. Um, and leave behind those pieces that are not actually serving you well. So any, all of that, I've that never sense? It, Yes, I've never heard it put that way before, and that makes a ton of sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, yeah, so we haven't even officially typed my husband yet because I'm too close to it. I see so many different pieces of him that it's, it's hard. But uh, I just sat down with a friend the other day who they use it at work all the time and so she wanted to figure out because she felt like she was three different numbers and what do I do and so we just sat there and I just there are a couple questions that I ask in those conversations that help you to know it, it helps point you in the right direction of that deeper piece of it that you were talking about how you figured out um, at the root of it you're more of a two mm -hmm. does that make sense it does. Yeah. What are the questions that you typically go through? Uh, it depends on where they're leaning. Um, but often in our area, often women are mistyped as twos and nines. So I really try to make sure that they're not that number before we settle into, like if that's one that they're struggling with, I really test that um, with questions like, uh, I ask things like, what makes you feel most connected to God and to yourself? Um, those sorts of things. So I actually point you toward your soul child when I ask that question. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with soul child. A lot of people aren't. Um, I, I would love for you to go into it a little bit for those who aren't. Yes. So when you look at the Enneagram, often they'll talk about your arrows. Your arrows point you toward a stress point and toward an integration point um, or a health point. Um, and your health point from your number is your soul child number. Um, the soul child is kind of how you started out in this world, keeping in mind that you know, when you get into your spirituality, was it, then you get into this, like, well, was I supposed to be a four? But then I ended up being, like, you were made to be the number that you are now, but you start out at your soul child point. And this is your freest version of yourself. This is like you on the beach, like exploring and enjoying your life and everything sunny and wonderful. Um, and that's how you grew up for a really long time until something happened. And it's not always this traumatic event. It's not your parents' fault. I can't stress this enough. This is my favorite piece of the Enneagram. It doesn't blame the mom. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, this is not about what somebody did to you, but something happened in between the ages of usually four and six where you went, well, that can't happen ever again. And so you put on this armor 
and start to protect yourself. And that turns into just the way that you go about the world. You leave that armor on and you really cling to it in those early 20s. The rest of your life is about taking off the armor and stepping into your soul child. And so it's a lot of work to get that armor off because you worked so hard to like weld yourself into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but taking that off is what is going to be so freeing. And so when I start asking you questions to figure out what your type is, um, kind of tapping into that soul child and getting a glimpse of what that person inside of you is like um, is a lot more revealing than what are all of your tendencies, right? Like <laughs> that's that's a lot. It's also a lot more negative. Like so much of that ne- the Enneagram sounds really harsh and mean, um, but tapping into that soul child like frees you up so mm-hmm. much and reveals so much more about who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the benefits or what are some of the benefits to knowing your Enneagram, but then also kind of understanding the Enneagram as a whole for interacting with others, whether that's in your personal life or in business or what have you? Yeah. So the finding out that I was a two and then finding out that there's more to life than being a good two um, was so freeing to me. I think that's the biggest benefit, but also it just has a, has given me this like checking in point. Um, it, it has me considering how I'm talking to my daughter today and how I reacted to the kitchen being a mess when I got home and how, like, how you're interacting with the world, it gives you a whole new perspective, not only on your reaction to it, but why your husband didn't clean the kitchen and why um, why your mom said that on the phone and why all of those different pieces, why your boss is um, focused on this thing and you don't understand, all of those different pieces. Um, it just gives you a clear picture of why and um, points you in the direction of a better way to handle it. Um, if I just focus on being a two, um, or even without the Enneagram, if I'm just worried about me, um, I can only be caught up in my reaction to it and how I can handle it. But understanding, um, you know, this is my husband's type and this is how he's going to react to this. Um, And this is how that feels to me. Um, And then adjusting course from there. So the messy kitchen example is the, one of my favorites to use as a descriptor here. When I come home and the kitchen is a mess, my initial reaction as a two is to step into my stress point eight, um, which is the fine, I'll do it myself stay out of my way. And you best believe he stay out of the kitchen while I'm angry cleaning, right? Because otherwise he's going to get it. Um, oh my God, I feel like I'm definitely a two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally just describing to someone the other day how I angry cleaned the kitchen. <laughs> yes, yes, because that's how, when you get stressed, that's where you go. I'll just handle something. I'll control something. And I'll get out my anger in that way. Um, And then I can go back about the world being loving and helpful and nurturing as a two. Um, But if I can instead, like, come home, acknowledge that the kitchen is a mess, 
but acknowledge my selfish side, my soul child side, and say, you know what? The kitchen is a mess, but it's 10 o'clock at night, and I was really looking forward to a bubble bath. That's what I'm going to go do. Now I get out of the tub all refreshed and refilled and nurtured. I took care of myself. I'm way less angry that the kitchen is a mess. It'll get clean. Like, and he might've done it while I was in the tub, right? And then everybody's happy and he doesn't feel bad because he didn't clean it on time and I'm not angry. Um, That's how the Enneagram can be helpful. Do you have an example like that for business? (sighs) Give me a business. I think that's, more helpful. Um, well, we have, there's a lot of creatives who listen to the podcast, creative entrepreneurs. So photographers, graphic designers, um, interior designers, that kind of thing. Yes. Um, so, uh, I like the idea of using this in a sales pitch. I think it's a clear representation. Say you make cupcakes and you want to sell your cupcakes to, um, a coffee shop. You want them to use your cupcakes. Um, If you take a look at their website, you're familiar with the company, you're going to know what they value. Do they value the aesthetic? Do they value um, uh, maybe they all of their proceeds, uh, a portion of the proceeds go to a charity? Maybe they... um, Maybe they're always doing something different, always new flavors, new these sorts of things, that sorts of things. Um, maybe they're very activist oriented. Maybe they're um, very loyal to their customers. They really value loyalty. You can notice that just by looking at their website, going to their um, place. And then you can orient your sales pitch to that. You can talk about um, how your cupcakes are unique because you can talk about um, how you get all your eggs from a local farmer, how you, you know, you can orient what they value, like really highlight what they value um, in your sales pitch. And so really you can do that with any of your market, whoever you're marketing to, um, figure out who that is that you're looking for um, and then highlight those things that they value. Um In a conflict situation, I think the biggest piece, um, the biggest starting point for uh, small businesses, if they have a group of 10 people working or whatever, um, to really understand um, their instincts. So the eight, nines, and ones are in the gut instinct. The twos, threes, and fours are in the heart instinct. And the five, six, and seven are in the head instinct. Um, this is where their decision-making comes from. So if you have a team of three people trying to get this project done and they're all twos, all they're going to care about is how they feel about the project. Um, So it's helpful as the leader to say, okay, we need to get some number crunchers in there. We need to get some some people who are just going to try something. Um, So they might pull a team member who is an eight who's like, yeah, let's try this. Let's see how it works. Um, And they'll pull a six who is going to crunch the numbers and figure out the smartest move. Those two are going to balance each other out. 
and create some activation because twos, three, or, uh, twos, threes, and fours might all be focused on like how it looks and the aesthetic and what it makes you feel like. Um, and so creating teams that are going to balance each other out, um, but also dealing with dynamics. Um, a lot of times, even though eights and twos are so connected, they're also the ones that are going to butt heads. Mm, I can totally see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they don't work on a team for this project because it needs to get done and you need no conflict for this. Right. Um, and, but that's something that you can work on along the way. When you put it like that, it is so clear that there is not one number that's better than the others. And yeah. You really- need everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's important um, as a leader to acknowledge your strength and then find people who have the other ones. Um, Because I can sit and like worry about my color scheme all day and how when you go on my website, how do you feel? Like, does it feel good? Um, All day. And my husband's like, you need to make money. There's numbers involved. Like, we got to do something now. Um, so there's all of those pieces. It's important to say, this is what I'm good at, but here's where I am going to sit naturally. And so I need other people to activate and motivate. So what would be your advice to people who are starting to use the Enneagram in their own life or business? Read something of value if you're a reader. Um, There are two books that I recommend that actually teach you about the Enneagram. Um, There's a lot of, a lot of books that fall short, in my opinion, um, or take you down a path that is um, not all that it could be. Um, And so the two books I recommend, if you love the Christian perspective of this, um, if that is part of your life, The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective by Richard Rohr is a dynamite book. It's also got fun stuff in there, like what each type's color is and uh, what country that type represents and uh, animals and stuff. So it's got really cool pieces of it, fun pieces of it, um, but really gets to the heart of what what this means in your walk with Christ, um, what this means um, for your calling all of those different pieces as well. Um, And then more of a clinical, uh, psychological perspective would be Becoming Conscious by uh, Dr. Joseph Howell. Uh, Both incredible books. Um, And there's, Dr. Joseph Howell also has a podcast if you don't like to read. Um, He sounds like a very soothing grandpa. Uh, So it's not the most exciting podcast, but great information. Um, And it's called The Real Enneagram. Um, So those are things that I recommend if you just want to do this on your your own. um, Those are the places I recommend starting because they're really like nutrient dense is the word that comes to mind, but like they're really going to get into the Enneagram. Um, But I also am a huge fan of like meet up with a coach, meet up with somebody that um, that is not 
in your life, but can be invested in figuring this out for you and helping you along that journey. I think you're exactly right. It's so important to kind of talk through the different pieces of it. So I would imagine, I I know when I was going, because I read a couple of books and took the quizzes and all of those things, and I would have loved to just talk to somebody because that's kind of where you start to figure it out. So I think, I think you're right. I think that's probably the best advice. Yeah. We will link to those books in the show notes. And then I'll also put like a graph, um, like the one that you were showing me on your whiteboard too, so people can kind of visualize better. Um, So we'll do that. And then Jada, I would love to know what's getting you excited right now. Are you working on any new projects or fun projects or just trying to survive quarantine? That's a fine answer. (laughs) Um. Everything has me excited right now. I just quit my day job and I'm oh doing this full time. Congratulations. Thank you. I am over the moon and I've just had like taking that step opened up so many doors. I'm I got a phone call asking if I did um corporate Enneagram coaching and so I'm going in and uh working with a whole daycare team on their group dynamics and so I'm super excited about that. Um and what else like getting reiki certified in june i'm just all about like give me all of it help me figure out every piece of me um and so yeah those are some really excited things going on oh my gosh i didn't know like most of that so i'm so excited for you that's just awesome so where can people find you online if they want to follow along yeah i'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, Sela Space, S-D, S-E-L-A-H, Space, um, and SelaSpaceSD.com as well. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We will link um, to all of your online places and your bio and all of that in the show notes as well. Um, but thank you for being here. This was so enlightening. Um, I think any any episode that we do on self-awareness and self-development always kind of tends to bubble to the top as one of my favorites. So thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me.